1: through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. How does a boy who grew up in Japan as a missionary kid one day become a professor at Harvard Law School? What are pressures that missionary kids face? How do understanding another culture and knowing a language fluently shape a person's outlook? This is the story of, of Mark Ramziar, a life of discovery, sensitivity, and a courageous spirit. When Psalm 31, verse 24 says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord, Mark responds with a clear yes. We pause to remind you the reason we have the Good Life Show is to share how the love of Jesus Christ makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus, dear friend. The love of Jesus so strong that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and rose again on the third day offering God's hope. J. Mark Ramsayer is the Mitsubishi Professor of Japanese Legal Studies at Harvard Law School. He spent most of his childhood in provincial towns and cities in southern Japan Attending Japanese schools for k to six he returned to the u s for college before attending law school he studied Japanese history in graduate school he graduated from Harvard Law School in nineteen eighty two Mark, welcome to our show
2: oh thank you very much it's, it's wonderful to be here
1: Where in Japan did you grow up
2: uh, I grew up in the city mostly of Miyazaki, uh, which is in the southernmost island of Kyushu, uh, Miyazaki, and then a few other places uh, near there. And I was born in 54, so this would have been late 50s, early, and most of the 60s.
1: Miyazaki. What were some of your most vivid memories growing up there?
2: Oh, there are lots of vivid memories as a child. Um, it's on the coast, so we can go to the beach. Um, my father used to take me on rides on his uh, motor scooter. Um, there's um, There are hot springs in the uh, center of the island. Uh, we spent a year uh, in a smallish village up in the mountains, uh, way up in the mountains, um, so uh, there was no train up there at the time. You know, lots of gravel roads. It was a nice place. One year. Um, one year.
1: Who influenced you most? Uh, it was probably it
2: was probably my father. Uh, he was uh, working on his uh, dissertation in anthropology at the time. Uh, this was as a break from uh, being a missionary, and uh, he was doing his research up there in the um, town of Takachiho.
1: Your father was doing research. You grew up there. Describe life as a missionary kid.
2: Uh, it's, I mean, it's uh, in uh, one way to put it is it's not very different from anybody else. Um, the way I was phrased, the. the um, I was uh, raised and uh, went to Japanese public schools for the first uh, six, seven years uh, through sixth grade. Uh, in that sense, it's like every other uh, local child uh, going to the local public school. Uh, it's different because um, I'm, I'm an American, and this is a very small Uh, city in the early 1960s. So, uh, the principal other foreigners into the city were my sisters. Um, once in a while there was another family or two, uh, but it's not Japan as it is now. Uh, and it's certainly nothing like Tokyo. Uh, and so we were odd. Um, my Japanese was very good. Um, but, you know, it's, it was as good as your typical third-grade um, child, which is, you know, for when I was in third grade, that's what it was. Um, my parents were – I was the oldest of four. I had three younger sisters. And so my parents were learning Japanese customs, um, Japanese educational system as I went there. So it's different from other – Um, from the other folks uh, at the school in the sense that, uh, I mean, I was a foreigner uh, and also that uh, my parents were really figuring it out as we went along.
1: Looking back on those times, speak a little bit about your relationship with Christ. How did that grow from your early years?
2: Uh, Well, I'm... uh, I mean, I suspect, uh, it's not that different from many preachers' kids, uh, in the sense that, uh, we're raised in the church, uh, and, uh, so I, um, my sisters, uh, many of my friends, we identified with the church, uh, and we thought of ourselves as, uh, Christians, uh, and, um, it grows from there, uh, we, as, as we grow older, um, we change, uh, what it means to be a Christian changes, what it means to understand what the good news is changes as we grow up, um, then as we grow older, uh, and so it's, uh, I, it's, it's the, what I, my guess is that, uh, for, uh, many people, certainly for me, um, the, what the good news means is, it uh, depends on what stage in our lives we are. Uh, it means one thing when we're 12 and another when we're 30 and another when we're pushing 70.
1: You talk about the gradual progression, a change in understanding. Would you say that also comes with a deepening understanding of what it means, what the gospel means?
2: Um, uh, certainly, it changes. Uh, it would be nice to think that it, it, it deepens, um, and you know, I, I hope that it uh, deepens. Uh, it's, it's. I think it's different. Um, uh, what it, uh, it it means one thing when we're starting out our lives and looking forward to uh, a career and starting a family, and then one thing means something else when we're in the process of raising our family. Uh, and then it means uh, something else, and we 're e- near the end of our careers and looking back on it all.
1: The, the, the tapestry and the, of the phases of life. let's come back to that in a moment. But what are some unique pressures that that a child of missionaries has to face? language that other children of missionaries can speak among themselves and they just know intuitively, all oh, you, you, you know that, you experience that, we all know it too because we went through the same thing. What were some of those? In, in fact, before you go into that, Mark, say a little bit about the, the missionary organization, say a little of the background of where you came from or where your parents came from.
2: Um my parents were in the Mennonite church um and basically have been in my family's been in the Mennonite church uh since the I suspect sixteenth century. Uh but uh we were sent by the uh one of the Mennonite Mission Boards It was in Kansas at the time. Uh it was not a Raise Your Own Support mission, uh, which was um, changes it, it a bit. Uh, so we didn't have to worry about raising support. Um, and it was at the time on uh, five-year uh, stints. And so um, traveling to Japan was by boat. It was a two-week uh, trip, stop in Hawaii, uh, and, uh, and then continue on uh, to the West Coast. Uh, so we would do that and then come back, uh, for a year for furlough, it was called at the time, uh, and then, uh, head back eventually for another five-year stint. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Being a missionary is, uh, it's, it's a lot like, uh, being an army brat or being a, uh, expatriate, uh, kid with the difference, uh, which is that, um, most missionaries try to Blend into the society. They try to become part of the society, and then, and then tell people about the gospel uh, in that capacity. And so, um, one way to put it is, missionaries go native. Um, that's not true for business executives and lawyers and such. Uh, lawyers who work in the Tokyo international law firms uh, live in expat. Uh, neighborhoods Uh, they get an expat compensation package and they send their kids to the American school Uh, and so you're living in a foreign society but in in an island and missionaries for the most part don't do that Um, we went to a town and uh, there were uh, in the whole city there were at at times two other missionary families and nobody else, um, nobody from the US went to uh, this very small city at the time um, faced with that, missionaries have taken basically three different approaches to raising uh, their children and educating their children. Um, they're very different in terms of the demands that they make on the missionary children, but uh, each is very stressful. Um, uh, it raises uh, distinctive stress for the child in the sense that um, it's just you, you, you alluded to this. It's almost as though, it's not true, but it's almost as though we can spot each other walking down a street. You know, I look at somebody and think, that's a missionary kid. I know it, uh, which is not really true, but, uh, but it's, it's like that. Uh, there, it's a distinctive uh, set of uh, very stressful uh, events that occurs in one life. Uh, I was raised uh, and sent to the local public school. Um, missionaries in South America and Europe do this. Uh, traditionally, in um, other parts of the world, they rarely did. Uh, in our mission, um, our, I and my sisters were the only ones who went to the local school. Uh, the second way uh, that missionaries handle the education for their kids uh, is to have a missionary school. Uh, and so kids are sent to a dorm. Um, it might be for five days a week. It might be for uh, all seven coming home on uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, which is its own very, very different uh, events, uh, stresses, um, you know, possibly more than attending uh, a foreign uh, public school, uh, because um, it means that it time at first grade, you're leaving your parents and, you know, you're not going to see them for a while. Um, maybe you leave them on Sunday and you'll see them again on Saturday. That's plenty long uh, for a first grader. Some, sometimes kids wouldn't see their parents for three months. Uh, and so you're at the mercy of uh, the dorm parents. And sometimes, you know, most it'd be nice to think that most dorm parents were um, were well cut out for the job. Some weren't. And that's a problem. Uh, the third approach, uh, is for one of the parents, usually the mom, uh, to teach her children at home. Um, my mother was raised as a missionary kid in China, North China, uh, during the 30s. Uh, and that's what, um, sh- that's what she went through. Uh, she had, uh, two, ch- uh, two brothers. Uh, in addition, there were others, uh, locally in the same mission. Uh, one was a doctor, one was an educator, one was a preacher, and so forth. Uh, and um, my grandmother would then teach uh, the kids uh, at school. So you're being homeschooled. Um, you're being homeschooled in a very different environment, and so yeah, um, it's homeschooling with uh, on steroids, uh, maybe.
1: You're listening to Mark Ramsayer. Mark Ramsayer is a professor. Of law, the Mitsubishi Professor of Japanese Legal Studies at Harvard Law School. He's talking about the missionary child experience. He experienced that himself. When we come back, how did his upbringing help prepare him for his career? When was it that he realized that a career in law was on the horizon? Did he have other initial pursuits? That he that led him into this you listen to Mark Ramsay you're going to hear more from him his experiences shared with you when we come back stay with us the road
0: me call the you're listening to the good life With Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. J.
1: Mark Ramseyer is the Mitsubishi Professor of Japanese Legal Studies at Harvard Law School. He spent most of his childhood in provincial towns and cities in southern Japan, attending Japanese schools for K to 6. He did mention before our break he said there's three ways you can either go to the public school which is what they did otherwise called just going native as uh, one who's blending in the other is to be sent to a missionary school the other the third option is to be homeschooled Mark Ramsey. you can find out more about Mark at hls.harvard.edu and if you're tuning in right now, maybe caught the tail end of the last segment, you can get this program, this podcast, in its entirety, just go to drdanny.live, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on, and on major podcast platforms. So Mark, you mentioned the three. Give us a little bit more background. When was it that you realized, we're jumping now from your childhood years in Japan, that you realized a career in law? was on the
2: horizon? Um, uh, I went to law school f- for the wrong reasons. Um, you should go to law school because you want to be a lawyer. Um, law schools train people to become lawyers. Uh, that's, it's a trade school, if you will. Um, and uh, if you want to be a lawyer, um, it's a great job. Uh, that's not really why I went to law school. I went to law school because uh, I didn't know what to do and I was reasonably good at school, and so it um, seemed like a a place to uh, park myself for a while. Um, What I did uh, coming out of um, the missionary child experience uh, is I had a couple things uh, that most... uh, 18-year-olds in my situation obviously would not have. Uh, one is that I, I really knew Japanese, um, and I had Japanese uh, at the uh, sixth grade level, uh, which means that uh, all the o- uh, adult vocabulary and adult grammars uh, I did not have. Uh, but I had a instinctive um, understanding of Japanese grammar and speech. Um, I, another way to put this is my... Uh, the hard disk in my brain um, had the Amer- English side and it had a Japanese side, and the Japanese side was all wired and um, ready to pick up uh, technical adult uh, grammar and vocabulary. So so that was uh, something which um, very few people have. Uh, the other is um, I think I understood um, Japan in a way that uh, very few people who come to this uh, later in life do Um, I thought um, I understood it Um, and I went to graduate school Uh, after college I went to a a college at a a church school a Mennonite School Goshen College Um, then I thought about becoming a um, professor I always thought maybe history Japanese history uh, and I sort of realized at the time that it wasn't just that I had a a very good basis for language. I also had a – I I think I I, I had a self-confidence about um, understanding what's happening in Japan in a way that somebody who comes at this uh, anew as an adult won't have. I had a cockiness uh, to it, um, which I still do.
1: Would it be a a native – cockiness um
2: yeah that's really what it is um you know it's i mean i'm i'm i am an american i'm not a japanese so i'm not native on the other hand um i grew up there and went to public school years, so um uh i had pretty, very much of a of a, of, a, of the sort of understanding that um any japanese race in the same circumstances would have um, uh, which um, gave me a, um, a confidence is the nice way of putting it. The people who don't like me would call it arrogance uh, about understanding Japan. Uh, and I wanted to um, uh, tell Americans about it. Uh, I thought uh, Japan was not understood uh, and that a lot of what passed for um, information a- about Japan was off uh, because it was off by people who uh, didn't have a sense of uh, what it was like. um and uh, I thought about going into history. Uh, I started that in that, uh, but um, it wasn't that much fun, and there weren't very many jobs. Uh, and uh, it's the sort of thing where, you know, if one of those had been true and the other not, then I might have stayed. But if it's neither that much fun nor has much of a job – uh, it didn't seem like uh, the thing to do, and I wondered what to do, and um, so I went to law school. I mean, and that's not why law school. Um, you really shouldn't. You should go to law school because you want to be a lawyer. Uh, I remember at the time telling my advisor, a Jap- his- uh, historian of Japan, that I was decided to um, leave graduate school and go to law school, and she says, "Oh, do you want to be a lawyer?" Uh, and I thought, "Oh, that's interesting." I Never thought of it quite that way, uh, but uh, I did, uh, and um, I worked uh, for three years, I guess. I worked for a judge for a year as a law clerk. Uh, then I worked at a large law firm uh, in uh, corporate tax, uh, and uh, it's a perfectly reasonable life. I'm, I don't want to uh, uh, to badmouth it at all. Uh, being, what judge? Uh, I worked for uh, Steve Breyer. Uh, he was, at the time... Uh, a federal court of appeals judge uh, in Boston, uh, and uh, it's, it was only 10, 15 years uh, later that he uh, became a Supreme Court justice. Um, uh, being a lawyer is a is a very perfectly um, interesting and honorable career. So, I, you know, I don't want to uh, badmouth it. It really wasn't what I wanted to do either. Uh, and so after... Uh, working as a lawyer in a law firm for a couple of years. Uh, I went to Japan on a Fulbright, studied for a year at the University of Tokyo, uh, and then came back uh, for a teaching position at UCLA Law School, where I taught courses uh, on Japan uh, and also taught the basic American corporate law course, uh, which is basically what I've taught for the, ever since.
1: Did something happen in at the University of Tokyo that Began to solidify what you had a sense that you may end up doing. Did anything happen there? That
2: oh, it was more that in the course of uh, practicing law, uh, that I thought you know the first three years for yeah for the working for Judge Breyer and then two years at the law firm that uh, particularly two years at the law firm uh, yeah I could do this um, you know but. I think it it would be more interesting to be um, writing about Japan um, as scholarship, uh, topics that I chose rather than topics that my clients wanted, Uh, and to uh, be working with students and um, teaching them about uh, being a lawyer, uh, about uh, Japan, what it means to be um, living in Japan, be a businessman in Japan, a lawyer in Japan, and so forth.
1: So economics was part of the niche,
2: uh, and early on yeah, and, and from the time it was uh, what I tried to do was uh, to look at the way in which uh, Japanese um, negotiate, uh, the way in which they handle disputes uh, over accidents, uh, the way in which uh, businesses work from an uh, economic perspective. Uh, it was a uh, perspective that was uh, largely ignored uh, in a somewhat odd, um, in retrospect perhaps, uh, somewhat odd uh, division of labor. Very few people who studied Japan and things Japanese at American universities in the 1980s um, uh, uh, and even tried to understand economics. Um, it was that uh, Japan... Part of what was uh, being pushed was that Japanese were not economic animals, uh, that Japan was a Confucian society of harmony and uh, and uh, so forth, and so Japanese would not assert their selfish uh, best interests, uh, which struck me as uh, uh, absolutely bizarre, um, and it seemed that it was not treating Japanese as human beings, which I think is what really bothered me, uh, that Japanese were human beings like everybody else. Um, they're not more selfish than anybody. They're not less selfish. Um, they respond to accidents and business opportunities the same way um, everybody does, uh, and it's part of um, what it means to be human that you think about consequences and um, and sometimes you're selfish, and then you know part of what um, uh, the gospel is is about reminding us that. We are we are um, at root, I suppose, uh, selfish, but we don't have to act that way. Uh, that we can treat people with compassion and generosity as well.
1: You're listening to Mark Ramsay. Mark Ramsay is the ja- Mitsubishi Professor of Japanese Legal Studies at Harvard Law School. He's sharing his journey, his journey from two well three years w- working as a lawyer and. And then becoming a professor, he started his professorial work in, at UCLA after coming back from the University of Tokyo. But then he goes on to the University of Chicago. He'll tell us a little bit more about that. University of Chicago before coming to Harvard Law School. When we come back, you'll hear more from him. You can find out more at hls.harvard.edu. Find out more about Mark Ramsay and this program, Live. Hit the podcast, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, major podcast platforms, and share it with a family member or friend. My friend, how are you in your stages of transition? What is your perception of the gospel? That and more when we come back. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life, aimlessly beneath the barren sky. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you.
0: You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Mark Ramsey, clerk for the Honorable Stephen Breyer, then on the First Circuit, he worked for two years at Sidley and Austin in corporate tax and studied as a Fulbright student at the University of Tokyo. After teaching at UCLA and the University of Chicago, he came to Harvard in 1998. You're listening to the Good Life radio program. Find out more about Mark Ramseyer, hls.harvard.edu. So Mark, continue on the niche. As a Japanese legal scholar, you talked earlier about a cockiness. Let's just make it a little bit more soft and call it confidence you feel like a level of confidence was needed to be able to pursue the research that you've done and wanted to do back then and continue to do today?
2: Sure. It's, um, you have to have uh, a confidence in what you're doing uh, if you're going to uh, push back against... Uh, sort of the bulk of the research that you think is wrong in one way or the other. Um, and the, in, in my case, it was that I was pretty sure that I understood uh, Japan um, in a way that uh, most of the people in social science and the humanities didn't seem to do. Um, and, it, and it had to do with uh, understanding that, you know, people everywhere are the same uh, in a way that uh, universities, uh, parts of universities from time to time have not wanted to recognize. Um, it comes and goes, uh, but uh, one way of thinking of it is uh, the approach in uh, de- uh, division departments like anthropology uh, that we are a shape of, uh, by our culture, which has got to be true. We are obviously all of us shaped by our cultures uh, and cultures different. D- differ, uh, but we're not. Um, in another, to use another academic phrase, we're not a blank slate. Uh, that is, um, we are who we are, in part because of our biology, uh, and uh, the biology limits uh, the way in which culture can shape human beings in a way that um, lots of people, and particularly the the humanities uh, these days, don't want to recognize.
1: So so this is where I want to come back. Mm -hmm. I want to trace back to our first segment when we were talking about the the childlike faith in Japan, relationship with Christ, the perception of the gospel, how things change over the course of one's life not a blank slate, Mark Ramsar you say. So how has, or how has the gospel shaped your perspectives even as a legal scholar over the last 30, 40 years?
2: Well, the biggest way in which um, my faith shapes my work uh, is in the way in which I would like to treat other people, um, the way in which I'd like to treat students and colleagues uh, and friends and, and people uh, that I meet, um, you know, the people I meet in Japan, the people I meet here. Uh, it, um, I think our Christian faith calls us uh, to take each person we meet seriously is somebody who uh is really entitled to our uh, love and care and generosity uh, and you know i'm certainly not going to com- uh claim that i s- succeed in this uh but it, it uh, but my faith shapes my aspirations uh my faith shapes what i the way in which i would like to uh, treat uh, the people that I meet, um, the students I meet here. I teach in Japan. I have students in Japan from time to time. Um, I certainly have many uh, friends in Japan. The probably the majority of them are other professors. Uh, I, you know, I run in faculty circles, and uh, faculty are um, introverted, shy people here for the most part, and they are in Japan too, um, and so. Um, faculties have uh, things in common. I would, and um, um, there are uh, plenty of people who are loving and caring and generous who are not part of the church. Um, and um, I, I wouldn't uh, claim anything else. Um, it's uh, my faith shares who I would like to be and uh, the way that I would like to treat the people uh, that I meet. Uh, it has less to do with uh, what I write. Uh, I, I'm, I do research uh, and I, for the most part, uh, write about uh, law in Japan, you know, technical uh, subjects about the way in which uh, Japanese law is structured, uh, more applied articles about how uh, the function that law plays in Japan or doesn't play, how people negotiate contracts, how they resolve uh, disputes and so forth. Uh, but as I describe that, I think you can get a sense that it's that – what I, what I do is uh, what we call empirical. Um, I try to describe the world as it is, uh, and I'm not trying to um, come up with ideas about how the world would be better, uh, what we call normative work uh, in the academy. So you see a law professor, you can basically divide uh, – just categorize him or her as either uh, somebody who does empirical work or somebody who does normative work. Uh, or in, if not empirical, at least descriptive work. Um, and it's not that, you know, one is a higher calling than the other, although I think the people who do normative work sort of look down on the rest of us, uh, but we probably look down on them too as, you know, not ha- not really knowing how the world is. I think it's important that we understand how the world works. Um, but um, I don't think that's a function of my faith particularly, uh, I don't think I write different articles uh, because I think of myself as a Christian and, and try to uh, live out uh, the gospel. Um, I do think it, 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 it certainly affects how I would like to treat the people that I meet. Well,
1: what is it you feel when you discover a new research topic to pursue?
2: Oh, it's very exciting when I... Um, figure out uh, a way to uh, tackle a problem that's a big problem um, and figure out how to tackle it. Uh, it's... it's uh, if, if you think about, you know, what it is that a professor, for the most part, I think, probably in most any department is trying to do, uh, it's, to think, an important topic uh, that... Um, hasn't been solved, uh, and to be able to figure out a way to, uh, at least contribute toward a solution. Uh, and if you think about that, um, those are three things that it's real. you know, you can think of it as a Venn diagram that you had in eighth grade, um, three overlapping circles, uh, and the overlapping part is pretty small, uh, because if it's an important topic, it's probably either not solvable or it's already been solved, um, and uh, if it's an unsolved problem, uh, it's probably either because it's so unimportant that nobody cares about it uh, or that nobody's figured out a way to solve it. Uh, and so to find an unsolved problem uh, that's important uh, and to figure out a way to try to move closer to an answer uh, is is very, very hard. Um and because it 's hard it 's you know if if you finally come up and figure out something um yeah it's i think you know i feel pretty happy for quite a while about it
1: happy to find the problem and then even happy to double happy triple happy to pursue it and contribute in some way
2: yep yeah, that's that's exactly right it's um uh, it's It it makes me appreciate at this point um, uh, the problem, uh, the incredible problem that somebody starting out in his or her career in the academy is, which is uh, that you need to find an area that you really care about where you think you can contribute something. Um, And it doesn't have to be something that you'll stay in for 30, 40 years, but um, you're going to start out there and – uh, the shifts that most of us make in what we work at are really incremental and it's, uh, we sort of gradually shift into another area. We don't start out in one area and then exhaust it and then start another one. It, that's rarely very successful. Um, I mean, in my case, I think about, you know, what I've done. Um, uh, and, uh, when I started out teaching at UCLA, I know I had a, I would come up with, I never wrote them down, but lists in my heads of things about law in Japan uh, said in the United States that were are wrong. Um, and I had a long list. Uh, and it's sort of the case that in the last 40 years, uh, I've basically been uh, checking off things from a list that <laughs> in many ways uh, is one that I came up with within two or three years of when I started. Uh, but a lot of this stuff was—it was very hard to figure out how you would approach it. You know, how can you come up with a way of trying to test this, um, come up with evidence, uh, and that's where uh, just hanging in there for uh, decades—you uh, start seeing different ways of approaching problems, different evidence to collect, and so forth.
1: Contribution after contribution, I've—I've I've gone over and. To hls.harvard.edu, I've searched up Mark Ramseyre and I saw page after page after page after page after page of listings of articles, writings, books, book chapters that you've written and contributed to. Would you, I mean, we're talking about starting in the 80s.
2: Starting when, in the when, 80s, when, yep. When, when yep. the
1: writing began and then continuing to this very day. You're listening to Mark Ramsayer. Harvard Law School Mitsubishi professor of Japanese legal studies at Harvard Law School when we come back in our final segment a question for Mark Ramsay: why do you believe you are at Harvard Law School at this particular time that and more for example how has God helped you through challenging times that and more maybe even a time of prayer. Prayer for you, dear friend, as you share in this time with us. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life, they must leave beneath the barren
2: sky. On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE, and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25
0: says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit
2: drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you
0: with The Good Life. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Mark Ramseyer has also taught or co-taught courses at several Japanese universities in Japanese. In his research, Mark primarily studies Japanese law and primarily from a law and economics perspective. In addition to a variety of Japanese law courses, he teaches the Basic Corporations course with Professors Klein and Bainbridge. He also co-edits a Foundation Press casebook in the field. Find out more of Mark Ramsay at hls.harvard.edu. Mark, why? Why do you believe you are at Harvard Law School in, at this particular time?
2: Uh, let me backtrack uh a little uh i mean i just, um i mean i i i'm there because um i do what i do and um the appointments committee 22 years ago decided uh they liked ramshire and decided to move him um and at the time we had uh, uh two little children uh and uh lexington seemed like a great place uh to um to raise them but that's not what you're asking um let me let me tell you why i'm a little um reluctant uh to um to go too far uh which is that uh i remember uh from uh when i was in high school uh, i went to a for high school i went to a boarding school in tokyo uh it was a missionary school uh and there was some emphasis there um on encouraging students to uh think of their vocational choice as Uh, trying to think of uh, trying to discover what god had in in place for them Uh, and uh, so um, and that's a tough one to try to figure out Um, so how do you figure out what god wants for you Um, it's hard enough i think for um, 18 year olds to try to figure out well what would i like to do Uh, what would i like to do what am i good at Uh, Where where is it that I can make a contribution that would enable me to um, uh, uh, earn at least enough to uh, feed uh, a modest uh, family? Um, And um, I I think what I want to stress, in case there's an 18-year-old listening, uh, is that, you know, there, there are a lot of things that are good choices that one can make. Um, and, uh, being part of the church, uh, being a Christian doesn't mean that you have to figure out the one place, uh, where, um, God would have you. Um, you can serve, uh, you can serve God, you can serve the church, uh, you can, uh, treat people with love and compassion in an awful lot of, uh, different careers, um, and, um i i would like to think in my case that includes um teaching at a law school uh and um and it's in many ways uh, harvard is a great place to be doing that
1: challenging mm-hmm. times how has the lord helped you
2: yeah um so uh i was um Uh, When when there's a challenge, um, what what God does, um, in my experience, um, is he tells us, he tells me uh, that he loves me and that he cares for me. Um, I was attacked um, uh, academically. Um, um, I think what I wrote was right. I stand by it. And uh, so I wasn't about to uh, apologize. Uh, But they really wanted to run me out of the academy. Um, It was a classic case of ostracism. Um, And I had actually written an article about ostracism in Japan and how it works and the way it functions and so forth. Uh, But I'd never been ostracized myself. And so, um, you know, at one uh, sort of uh, removed, once removed um, academic um, viewpoints sort of watching myself respond to this was sort of interesting except of course it wasn't interesting at all it was uh, uh, in many ways uh, emotionally devastating um, what happens in cases of ostracism is uh, that sometimes uh, some people that uh, you thought were your friends um, decide not to uh, to back you sometimes people you know in a long time uh, lie to you lied to you Knowing they're lying and knowing that you know that they're lying, it's um, what, uh, if you've seen the old uh, Ingrid Bergman movie, Gaslight, it's what we now call being uh, gaslighted. They are um, uh, messing with your mind is the other colloquial way of doing it. Um, But uh, it's incredibly hard to live through this, Uh, and uh, I would um, wake up. In the middle of the night, um, and I can't go back to sleep. Um, and it was, uh, it was at in, uh, during these nights um, lying awake um, when um, I could c- uh, call on God, and um, He would tell me He understood me, He cared for me, He loved me, uh, and um, that was priceless.
1: Priceless. First, thank you for sharing s- something so deep and something so personal and something that's happening in your life. Now, a word of encouragement to someone who's feeling ostracized, maybe in the academy maybe in elementary school, maybe in high school, maybe at work, maybe in their own family, ostracized? A word of encouragement. How do you believe God would have you encourage them?
2: Yeah, I, th- I would um, encourage you to pray, uh, to talk to God and tell him where you are, um, you know, the, not uh, obviously he knows, uh, but um, to express it to yourself uh, and then listen. Uh, and if there's a passage in the Bible that you know and that you like, uh, read it and read it again and then pray and then read it again um, and try to sit back and t- uh, and just sort of uh, listen and be in touch with you know, how you know what's happening to your heart um, you know just, are you uh, are you really angry at somebody if you're really angry at somebody? well, um, this is about forgiveness uh, and uh, it that can be uh, really hard uh, but sort of being willing to, go beyond holding somebody as a, in, you know, just in passionate anger uh, and to be able to say to that, uh, God, um, I know you love me. Thank you. Um, help me to live that out. Um, and that's, that's a place to start. Uh, and then of course, uh, you know, find somebody that or more two people or three people, other people you can talk to. Uh, and it will vary um, for, depending on the, your situation, on what it is that's causing the trouble and, and who you can. But um, sort of sit back. Um, don't feel obligated to respond publicly. Um, pray a lot. And find somebody to talk to. And,
1: is there a particular... Scripture that has resonated with you, particularly at this time.
2: Uh, it was a it was a variety of uh, scripture passages. So the answer is no. It wasn't any one. Uh, it would. Uh, it was. Um, I had. Um, I, I like a lot of people. I get lots of emails um, and uh one series that i could never couldn't remember uh responding to uh it was a you know it must have been half a dozen um christian emails um and most days things are going well um you know i'm busy uh i get up i drink my coffee and and i you know i just buzz right through these things um but I sat back and started reading them um and thinking about them and praying. And they were meditations on typically a different verse each time. Um, and often, you know, often it, it it was uh it was it sort of uh it meant a lot to me. It was um, uh the what the person uh writing it pointed out um touched me in a way that Um, When things are going well um, and I'm busy and not paying attention to things like this, I whiz right over and and don't think about um,
1: a prayer. Would you pray for this dear person that you've shared with tenderly? Would you pray for
2: God, you know who uh, is listening to you? You know who is reaching out to you and you know uh, who is suffering uh, and the ways in which they're suffering. Uh, You know the stress that they're under, uh, that um, maybe it's a relationship that's broken. Maybe it's 50 different relationships that are broken. Maybe it's that uh, something's happened to a family member uh, that's tragic, that's unambiguously tragic. Uh, and in cases like that, God, we uh, ask you to tell us, tell the person uh, that you love, uh, that you love him or her, uh, that you care for him or her, uh, and that you send uh, the warmth, uh, the compassion, uh, and the tenderness and care that you uh, offer all of us uh, when. We come into these situations where we need you. So, God, you know who we are. You know who who the people are who are reaching out to you. And we bring all their cares to you in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. 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 Mark, thank
2: you. You're welcome.
1: Tender words from Mark ramsire hls.harvard.edu. My friend. God's timing is perfect and there's no better time than right now to share the love of Christ with someone near you. And look, if you haven't done so, I believe this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Jesus. Go to drdanny.live for next steps and find more resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major podcast platforms. Romans 13, verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Mark Ramseyer, hls.harvard.edu. Until next time, along with my producer, David Nasora, creative director, Brian Torres, web designer, Shana Kusumoto, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today.